It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine and I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are off and running on a Tuesday morning on Follow the Money. Tim Murray sitting in for Mitch and Pauly as they continue a well-deserved vacation. We got a lot to get to. Uh, I would say a bit unfortunate night last night, at least for your boy. So we'll get to uh, last night's Top 25 showdown in Fort Worth, Texas. We have, uh, I guess, good news regarding Giannis and uh, the health of his wrist so a lot to get to and of course as uh, as we know anytime you could slip in some nfl discussion will Derek Carr head to the new york jets what's the latest from the darkness we don't have any regarding aaron Rodgers. so so much to get to on a tuesday and this week for some reason now i am a big college basketball guy if you uh Check out my show, Visa and Primetime, on a nightly basis. We talk a lot of college hoops just because of the timing of where we are. But think about it. We're coming off the All-Star break for the NBA, so no NBA games. Obviously, a, a pretty loaded slate of NHL. NFL is in the rear view. And as we discussed yesterday, three weeks from today will be the play-in tournament. Not for the NBA. I guess it's not a tournament. The play-in games. We'll have two games in Dayton followed by two games in Dayton three weeks from tomorrow, and then three weeks from Thursday. Three weeks from Thursday is the start of the NCAA tournament. I mean, we're going to have conference tournaments starting before we know it. So it is really sneaking up on us very quickly. We talked to Seth Greenberg about it yesterday where, you know, the Super Bowl gets pushed back and we're right in the thick of it when it comes to college basketball. So you, bar you better start getting your college basketball hoop, your, your hats on now, because in three weeks, 
everybody's going to become an expert. So let's uh, let's get there now. We got a big, big slate today. And uh, before we uh, get rolling of what happened last night and moving forward, let's take a look at what we have in store for you today. So I'm riding solo today, which means uh, we're going to load it up with some with some great guests. And Dan Lieberfield, who is the publisher of Jets Confidential, co-host of press coverage on Sirius XM NFL Radio, he will join us at 8 o'clock Eastern, the latest on Derek Carr. I know David Carr spoke about the timetable regarding Derek Carr and when he could ultimately make his decision. It sounds like, and we'll get Dan's thoughts on this, it sounds like he's going to take his time, which I think is good news for the New York Jets if, in fact, they do ultimately want to take a peek at Aaron Rodgers if Rodgers emerges from darkness and is uh, is ready to say, I want to go to New York City. I want to play for the Jets. I want to be Joe Namath or Brett Favre, whatever it may be. Uh, my guy Jim Root from the Three Man Weave, he will join us at 8.30 Eastern. Uh, full slate. I mean, you look at tonight's slate in college basketball, and we're going to break it down a little bit later on in this hour, but we've got top 25 matchups all over the place tonight. Uh, including some unranked favorites, which has been a, a trend many have discussed, including yours truly, but another Big 12 top 25 showdown, a top 25 showdown in the SEC, a top 25 showdown in the Big East, uh, Michigan State, can they bounce back after their loss over the weekend to Michigan? So a ton to get to when it comes to tonight's college basketball slate. So Jim Root's going to hang out with us for a couple of segments in hour number two. Hour three, my guy, Brad Evans, who always love getting his insight. Uh, also, a little bracketology, because you can now actually profit off of bracketology, looking ahead, forecasting. Is a team going to make the NCAA tournament? Is a team right to make a, a stretch here where they can make up some ground in seeding? So we'll do a little bracketology in hour number three. And then Lawrence Murray, Clippers beat reporter, to discuss the move of the Clippers to ultimately sign Russell Westbrook, but we are off and running to Murray in for Mitch and Paul here on follow the money. And I do want to start with last night, TCU and Kansas and, you know, for Kansas, give them credit. Bill self has been swept by a grand total of two teams in the big 12 in his, uh, in his run there with the Jayhawks. I'm pulling up the, uh, the couple of teams here. So since Bill, since going to Kansas, Bill Self has been swept twice in conference play. 2018 Oklahoma State and 2021 Texas. And last night, Kansas exacted their revenge as a underdog on the road at TCU, winning 63-58. to I had TCU last night. Uh, they closed as a three-point favorite. They were around a one-and-a-half, two-point favorite early yesterday morning. And, you know, I think you go both, you know, back and forth here. And we'll, we'll discuss this and win some, lose some. But, you know, for TCU, a team that I took a bite at 40-1 to 1 on them to win the title over the weekend, watching them with the return of Mike Miles, they are clearly a different team with Mike Miles. But I think the frustrating aspect of last night's game, if you had TCU, if you were on the Horn Frogs, we'll get to if you were on the Jayhawks here in just a moment, because I think there were some positive aspects to take from that. But for TCU... Their inability last night to finish at the rim. 
This is a team that entered shooting 54.4% from inside the arc and mainly inside the paint. This is a team that just constantly gets to the rim, is incredible. It's really a bully ball type of team. And they were getting to the rim last night, just not able to finish. Last night, to compare Saturday's 100-75 to victory over Oklahoma State, where they went 31-42 of from inside the arc, TCU, last night they finished 15-48. of Now, that's not all TCU just missing bunnies. That's Kansas playing really good defense. But put this into perspective. If you had TCU like I did last night, six for 23 in the second half inside the arc for TCU. And every time it felt like TCU tied the game within one, they just could not get over that hump. And a lot of that has to be credited to Kansas. So it was a frustrating loss last night if you had TCU like I did. But also, give credit to Kansas, because Kansas is a team that their best player, Jalen Wilson, didn't play well at all last night. Uh, Grady Dick was really the reason that they were able to pull this game out, in addition to their defense, which is ninth in defensive efficiency. Jalen Wilson last night, you know, he was finished with just seven points, no threes, had a bunch of rebounds, finished with 13 rebounds in the game. But if you're TCU, I think you have to be kicking yourself for losing this game at home, so many opportunities to pull this one out. And if you're Kansas, you know, you're coming off of a win over Baylor over the weekend where you were able to exact your revenge against the Bears. Remember, they had that three-game losing streak in the middle of January, the Jayhawks did, which concluded with a loss on the road at Waco to Baylor. They outscore the Bears being down double digits at half, 45-32. to 32. They come back, they outscore Baylor 55-26. to 26. I thought... Yes, you're going against Kansas in a revenge spot last night, which is always a tricky situation. And Matt Humans and I talked about this on the, the college basketball betting uh, podcast last week. Revenge spots are such a, a big opportunity to, to back teams. And there's a couple tonight, which we'll get to a little bit later on in the hour. But I just felt like with TCU, with Mike Miles coming back, this was the spot to get them. And I don't know if necessarily we were on the wrong side. And once again, this wasn't a knock on or, you know, I think Kansas folks can say we were on the right side. Well, ultimately, Kansas folks were able to cash the ticket as Kansas plus three. They win the game 63 to 58 and a really nice win for Kansas. TCU drops a little bit in their Ken Palm rating. They drop down to 22. Um, so if you were like me and got in on a TCU future, look, you're still going to be able to get a decent number there on the Horn Frogs if you can believe in TCU. My worry about TCU, I'm glad I got it at 40 to 1, which look around, you might still be able to find 35s, maybe a 40, we'll see. But their inability to finish at the rim was quite frustrating and alarming last night. Right now, this team, now, you can't just take TCU's raw numbers right now in Ken Palm as, as gospel because of Mike Miles being absent and what this team is with and without Mike Miles, but uh, they're sitting there at 58th in the country in adjusted offensive efficiency. So more on Kansas and TCU here uh, in just a little bit. Good news, though, for Bucks fans, and we talked to Jonathan Von Tobel late in the show yesterday talking about is there value in the MVP market, and he felt like, yeah, there was some regarding 
Giannis, Giannis, I believe in the straw poll had, I want to say 11 first place votes. And Sham Sharania tweeted this out yesterday. Giannis avoiding serious damage in his right wrist after further testing. Giannis could miss some games, but overall a big sigh of relief for the Bucks and their all-star. Yeah, there's no doubt. I was texting with a buddy of mine who keeps a very close eye on the MVP market and you know all the all the NBA awards markets, and he was saying, "Let's you know you should take a look at the Defensive Player of the Year and you know kind of to fade Giannis." This seems like incredibly positive news, right, for the Milwaukee Bucks, who are red hot coming into uh, red hot coming into the All Star break. But my question, if you're looking to back Giannis in any futures markets, the worry I would say, as I grab some uh, grab some reads here, the worry I would say is, is there going to be some load management, especially with uh, with his wrist moving forward? So that's going to do it for our first segment. Sports fans, as football season ends, Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook is the place to be for basketball and hockey. Bet Rivers has you covered for every line, odd, and boost. Join us every week for new promotions. We'll get you those promotions on the other side. Tim Murray sitting in for Mitch and Paul here on Follow the Money. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market. 
as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Always follow the, follow the money. That's what I always say. You always follow yeah, the money. Yeah. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on VSEN. Good morning, hour two of Follow the Money here on VSIN. Tim Murray sitting in for Mitch and Polly on this Tuesday morning. College basketball, big slate tonight. And we'll talk much more about it with Jim Root later on in this hour. But the NFL news never stops. And uh, we're pleased to be joined right now uh, from Jets Confidential and also co-host of Press Coverage every Saturday on Sirius XM NFL Radio. You can follow him on Twitter at Jets Whispers. Dan Lieberfeld uh, joins us right now. Dan, appreciate you getting up with us on this Tuesday morning. The latest on Derek Carr, we know that he was in New York. So before we get to the timetable on Carr, uh, how did everything go this weekend from the Jets' perspective in their pitch to uh, to bring Derek Carr to the Big Apple? Yeah, it uh, reportedly went well. It's hard not to get along with Robert Sala, the head coach, very personable, definitely a player's coach. So all that went well. His brother, David Carr, I'm sure you saw mm-hmm. this story, Tim Murray on NFL Network, where he said it's going to take a while. And I think that's true. I think Carolina is clearly going to be in the picture. And you look at the New Orleans Saints, and you know maybe Atlanta gets involved. Though I, I, I'm not, I think that's a long shot, but there's been some rumors about that. I think uh, a gentleman on your channel brought up Atlanta. So I think this is definitely going to take a while. There's no rush, and I think that he wants to get the most money he can. And to me, that's... To me, that's the sticking point. I mean, you're there in Las Vegas. You saw him play up close and personal. I would sign a quarterback like Derek Carr, but the idea of spending 30 to $40 million on a player who is 63 and 79 in his career as a starter in the NFL in nine seasons, I just don't see it, but maybe I'm missing something. You know, Dan, you obviously cover the Jets very closely there in New York, and you know this is a franchise that – that has both the offensive and defensive rookie of the year. And Brees Hall, if he doesn't get hurt, he was the favorite to win offensive rookie of the year. So there's such there's so many young pieces on this roster. You mentioned Robert Sala, who's thought of so highly. They bring in Nathaniel Hackett to run the offense, which obviously there's ties to him and uh, and a gentleman in, in Green Bay who's sitting in darkness right now. We'll get to that in just a moment. But you know, when you look at this roster, is it fair to say they're a quarterback or away, or they still have a lot of pieces or more pieces to be added uh, for them to be a, a regular contender? And what is a, I wouldn't say loaded, but pretty darn good division there in the AFC East. Yeah, I wouldn't say they're one player away. I mean, we all know they lost their last six games of the year, and you could blame it all on the quarterback, but 
that would probably be unfair. The quarterback play wasn't great, don't get me wrong, but there were other problems. They couldn't stop the run late in the year. You know, they're one of those defenses, the old Pete Carroll defense that goes with the smaller, quicker defensive linemen to shoot up field, and they were getting pushed around a little bit. So they could use some help on the defensive line, especially on the interior. Someone to team with Quinn and Williams, and that's a whole other story, because they've got to pay Quinn and Williams big bucks this offseason, their star defensive tackle, so they got to save some money for that. Their pass coverage at linebacker is not great. Uh, they might need a safety. Their offensive line was patchwork at the end of the year. Yes, they have a lot of weapons. And yes, Sauce Gardner looks like an elite corner. And those three players you mentioned are very good building blocks when you look at Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall and Sauce Gardner. But they are not one player where they, they have a lot of work to do, though they're heading in the right direction. Dan Lieberfeld is joining us here on Follow the Money. You can follow him on Twitter at Jets Whispers. Uh, check out Jets Confidential Magazine and also him on Saturday mornings on Sirius XM NFL Radio. Dan, when you look at Aaron Rodgers, still under contract, we talked to Aaron Nagler yesterday here on the program and his guess, and it wasn't reporting. He just felt like with the contract situation, ultimately he felt like He'll still be in Green Bay, but he wasn't saying it with massive conviction. He just felt like uh, the situation at hand there with the contract. So, you know, still a lot of unknowns regarding him. But from what you've gathered, and we, you know, saw the quotes from Woody Johnson, if Aaron Rodgers is interested in coming to New York, how aggressive would the Jets be in trading for Aaron Rodgers? Well, I think they'd be very aggressive. This is a team that has missed the playoffs 12 years in a row. I think that's an NFL high. Uh, and the owner clearly is getting frustrated. He's 75 years old now, so he's getting a little more impatient, if you will. So I think they would, they would try to make that happen. The obvious connection with Nathaniel Hackett. And, you know, the team in your backyard there, Las Vegas Raiders, there's a lot of talk about Aaron Rodgers there. The one slight edge I would give the Jets in the whole equation is the fact that the Jets, under Nathaniel Hackett as their new offensive coordinator, basically play the same system that Aaron Rodgers has played forever in Green Bay. If Aaron Rodgers went to the Las Vegas Raiders, obviously he'd be reunited with his old friend Devontae Adams, perhaps the best receiver in the league, and they go back to Fresno State. However... That system is way different than the one Aaron Rodgers has played for a long time. So in a season where he's going to turn 40 years old, would he want to go to a new system under Josh McDaniels? That, that's a, a big question. So I think in that regard, the Jets would be slight favorites, in my opinion, over the Raiders from a system fit standpoint. So I think, yeah, I think the Jets would be all in on Rodgers if he's made available via trade from the Green Bay Packers. Dan, going back to Derek Carr, you mentioned he's going to take his time. David Carr's brother alluded to that. And, you know, when you think about it from the Jets' perspective, right, where they were out whining and dining him over the weekend, but he's going to go take his visits. You know, I think Carolina makes a lot of sense for him, uh, just knowing his personality and, and maybe going to that media market as opposed to New York. But that all being said, from the Jets' perspective, is it a, a good thing that Derek Carr is taking his time to allow them to 
also figure out the Aaron Rodgers situation so they're not, you know, forced to to make a decision between one or the other because Derek Carr is is taking his time right now and and you know seeing what is what is out there. Yeah, exactly. I think that Derek Carr is not number one on the Jets list right now. They like him, no doubt about it. And we should bring up up Todd Downing, who is his mm-hmm. offensive coordinator with the Raiders for a short time, is now at the Jets as the passing game coordinator. So there's a connection there. There's somebody there he's comfortable with. But the Jets have to see what's going on with Aaron Rodgers first. I think the whole world knows that. So Derek Carr, when I say he's the fallback option, that doesn't mean they don't like him. But I think Rodgers would be A1 on their list. And I think, you know, I I love the Lombardi line. I love Vison overall. I'm a big fan of the channel. And I love the Lombardi line. And I'm sure you know Michael Lombardi was talking with Patrick Maher on his show about the connection to Carolina and the fa- and it makes so much sense. And Frank Reich being a very devout man and Derek Carr being very religious as well. And the connection there and, and Charlotte is a very devout uh, city. I'm sure you've been there. There's, yep. there's a church or place of worship on every corner. I'm not making light of that. I'm just saying it's a, I think it's a place that Derek Carr would be very comfortable uh, so I think when you look at Frank Reich and that Derek Carr possible connection, I think that could be a strong one. So, yeah, I think it's going to take time, and I think the Aaron Rodgers domino is a big part of that. Dan, right now the quarterback situation, not ideal. When you have your owner coming out and saying what he said about you know going out and getting a quarterback, we know that the Jets are, are not happy with, with Zach Wilson what is the future in your eyes for Zach Wilson, who not that long ago was selected second overall by this organization in the NFL draft? Yeah, he was rushed into action too early, and they'll admit as much if you talk to them now. 21-year-old rookie coming out of BYU following a junior year that he beat up on the likes of Troy, North Texas, and Western Kentucky. Not trying to make light of those programs. I know that uh, people who... Uh, watch Beast and are interested in all these programs sure. to, to make some sure. wagers. And there's some fine people at those programs, but not a who's who, especially when it comes to defenses. He was throwing it to wide open windows during that magical junior year he had for the Cougars. Comes into the NFL, windows are a lot smaller, defense is a lot more complicated, and he struggled mightily his two years on and off as a starter. He had some injuries that took him out of the lineup, and then he was benched in the second year. So the Jets are doing something very unique. You don't see a lot. They're taking a timeout in his third year, and they're going to try to rework his mechanics and his footwork and his decision-making. You haven't seen this happen a lot in the NFL. Usually when a raw rookie comes in, they, they try to fix these things early on, like Trey Lance with the 49ers. Jets are going to try to do it in year three. Is this workable? I, I think it's a long shot, but maybe it will work. We all know he has very good raw tools, but, you know, when uh, there was a report that the Jets view Derek Carr as a significant upgrade over Zach Wilson, and, I, you know, I don't really understand the report. Of course he is. They're looking <laughs> to find a quarterback now who's going to start while Zach Wilson is in his timeout. So I don't think this is the time to be taking shots at Zach Wilson. We all know he needs to be fixed, but can he be fixed? in his third year, and can be fixed in the New York market, you know, where he had that misstep, you know, after the New England game 
where he didn't take ownership for a terrible performance where the defense was so great. So can he be fixed here? I don't know. Maybe it'll be best for him to get a change of scenery. Dan, great stuff. We appreciate it and appreciate you getting up early with us. Anytime, Tim. Have a good day. There he is, Dan Lieberfeld from Jets Confidential. Check him out on Saturdays on SiriusXM NFL Radio. Are the Cowboys peeking around for a quarterback? Interesting report yesterday. It's Follow the Money. This is Follow the Money on VSEN. Sports fans, as the football season ends, Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook is the place to be for basketball and hockey. Bet Rivers has you covered for every line, odd, and boost. Join us every week for new promotions like our Tuesday Hockey First Goal Insurance, Saturday Hockey Same Game Parlay Bet and Get, Weekly Pro Basketball Bet and Get, and more. Check out BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app. It's a whole new game. Tim Murray sitting in for Mitch and Pauly here on Follow the Money. Good Tuesday morning, as you can see, a little bit behind us. It's a loaded board. It's always loaded. But I like the visual aspect of the board behind us being loaded with college basketball, as does our next guest. You can check him out on Live, on the line, on Bally Sports. You can see his podcast see his podcast i've been doing the show solo for two hours and 15 minutes you can't see podcast brad uh you can listen to his we podcast stream on youtube murray you yeah. can see it there you go uh see you're helping me out fade the noise the podcast uh that brad and nate lundy bring you tuesday through thursdays uh you can read his work too as he is a bracketologist as that is the buzzword du jour as we get towards uh march madness brad evans is here at noisy huevos on twitter mr evans always a pleasure sir before we jump into the card here tonight uh, a couple updates on your big board uh west virginia almost heaven very impressive win last night and uh the metrics love him where do you have west virginia right now on your big board yeah, I just moved him up from a number 11 seed uh, and off the uh, last four out as the number 10 seed now, the very last one on the latest version of the bracket big board. I mean, look at the metrics. Uh, they're extremely strong right now for WVU. Uh, number 32 in the net, they moved up to overnight with six quadrant one wins. And uh, that's the uh, upside of playing in the Big 12 every night. Practically, you have an opportunity to add Q1 wins and no bad losses. And and more importantly, too, as we saw in the bracket reveal over the weekend, I think the uh, committee really stressed strength of schedule. Uh, and right now, WVU top five in the entirety of college basketball and SOS. So I moved them up a line. Uh, the, again, number uh, 10 seed, the very last number 10 seed, Oklahoma State moving down a line from the number 10 line to the highest number 11, but playing in the rough and rugged Big 12 will really do both these teams an enormous favor come Selection Sunday. Yeah, you talk about the Big 12, 14. That is the uh, number of quad one wins Kansas has, which is uh, two which is two touchdowns more than North Carolina, who is uh, still sitting on goose egg. Uh, so, uh, yeah, ain't, ain't pretty for uh, last year's. Uh, well, one side pretty, the other side not so pretty for last year's national championship game. Brad Evans joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at Noisy Huevos. Uh, check out Live on the Line uh, on Bally Sports and uh, read them at ballysports.com. Uh, All right, a game I just talked about 
And I, I look, the trend is what it is, and it's 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 been a profitable one. You know, I always I I trust odds makers, right? And when they're telling yep. us that a team is a is a favorite over a ranked team, they don't care about AP polls, right? So let's go to Blacksburg, Virginia. Virginia Tech, very nice win over the weekend against Pittsburgh. They were laying five and a half, six. They close, they they win that game by seven. And here they are again, Brad. They're they're laying two. Um, yeah, I'm gonna take the short money line price. I know you got a better number. Uh, the Hokies at home, outside of that ugly loss to Boston College, have have really thrived there. And you know. This is a revenge spot too from a, a loss earlier in the season. What do you see, Virginia Tech and Boston? Or excuse me, Virginia Tech and Miami. Excuse me. It, I'm doing the hokey pokey, and I'm turning myself around in jubilation <laughs> uh, based on the number I got last night. But I would play this sucker up to like three and a half, to be honest with you. I think Botech's going to hold home court uh, where they have been uh, really dynamite this season. Twelve and three straight up, uh, number thirty-three in all of college basketball at home matchups. An effective fugal percentage offense, how they've been more susceptible defensively, uh, giving up especially uh, close to 50% inside the arc. But Miami, uh, I know they're road proven. I know they won their last six games or six and four straight up away from South Florida. Uh, and they've been very good offensively. We all know that story, but I think they're underrated defensively in road matchups this season. Number 28, an effective fugal percentage defense. I, I think the. Uh, Virginia Tech offense really shows up. It's going to be a electric atmosphere there uh, in Blacksburg. As a result, I think they get the W. I think they win by four or more points. It'll be nip and tuck late, but they'll seal the deal with some uh, timely free throws, to say the least. Well, Brad, you live there in Big Ten country now, and you're rocking your Illini shirt. They got a win. Didn't get the cover yesterday, but you know, for yeah. your Illini, just, just get wins, baby. That's all that matters for yep. Brad Underwood's squad. So we go to East Lansing and Indiana, uh, and shouts to uh, listener Brad Howe, uh, who's also in the media field. He said, uh, Indiana home road splits are just staggering. 20th percentile in offensive rating on the road. Uh, so it's just been ugly for IU on the road. It's going to be an emotionally charged environment there uh, with the Spartans. It's the first game they've played at home uh, since the tragedy last week there on their campus. So um, Spartans hosting Indiana. What I did was I'm going to split first half and full game. Minus one and a half first half, three full game. Uh, how do you see tonight unfolding there at the Breslin Center. Yeah, I play full game as well. It, it, emotional is the appropriate adjective, uh, given all that happened there recently in East Lansing, and this being the first you know, rallying point, really, I think, for the university to get back on its feet and back to a sense of normalcy. And uh, it's going to come, unfortunately, at um, you know IU's expense. And you look at Indiana on the road this season, four and six straight up. And number 193 in college basketball, an effective field goal percentage offense. Uh, turnovers have been a bugaboo away from Bloomington. Uh, they've coughed it up over 20% of the time. And I think the biggest key in this game is Michigan State's ability uh, to make it rain from outside at home, where they are 10 and 2 uh, inside the Breslin Center, and they're shooting over 40% from distance. So, you know, a whole lot of Hauser and Hogard. I think uh, from three-point range, uh, oddly, too, uh, they're like one of the best, if not the best, mid-range shooting teams in all of college basketball. And a lot of people are, oh, 
I mid range. I that that exists. What what are they doing? That it's not on their side analytically speaking. Yes, NBA heads. Uh, I know what you're thinking. It's uh, D's and threes. Uh, but Michigan State right now, uh, really uh, just bludgeoning people uh, with that mid range game, and then of course Hauser Hogard outside, and they have some decent inside presence as well that can hang tough uh, with Jackson Davis and company. So yes, I like Michigan State. I, I think they're going to win by five plus and really feed off that sellout crowd inside Breslin. So once again, the the trend is 29 and 13 unranked home favorites against ranked teams. Very profitable, right? It, we, we like that. Yeah. Not as profitable as fading Tulsa. Three, <laughs> 21 and two against the spread. They are catching a point and a half at home against East Carolina, Tulsa, ECU, they're getting a lot of love tonight. What are we doing with this one, Brad? Yar, shiver me timbers. I'm thinking the pirate. Uh, the trend shall again be my friend in fading Tulsa. You just laid out the record for those non-math majors out there. That's a 12.5% hit rate on the spread for the golden uh, tropical depressions. I mean, they're not hurricanes. Let's be honest and real here. Yes, I have a meteorology degree, so I got the nerd out there for a second, but ECU on the road this season, it's not been their friend. They're one in seven straight up. Uh, number 331 in effective field goal percentage offense. Number 230 in effective field goal percentage defense. Those numbers are unsightly, but Tulsa at home uh, almost equally as bad. Number 285 in adjusted offensive efficiency and number 240 in effective field goal percentage defense. Here is the key to the game. Second chance opportunities for ECU. They generate offensive rebound over 33% of the time in league action, and they shoot a boatload of threes in AAC play. Over 40% of their shots come from distance, just drain 35%, and we cash a winner sweat-free. So I will ride the Pirates, and I will again feed the Golden Tropical Depression tonight, who, as you mentioned, 321-2 ATS on the season. 12 and a half <laughs> Percent cover rate. That is unbelievable. <laughs> uh, Brad Evans joining us at Noisy Huevos on Twitter. Brad, before we let you run, you got a little Big East money line parlay. We got Xavier hosting Nova, Creighton hosting Marquette. Yeah, I like both those teams on the money line parlay, and uh, add a little third wheel Ooh. of this and uh, get a little extra juicier. I like Texas on the money line, also at home tonight against Iowa State. Uh, you look at Xavier, uh, it's all about their offense. Uh, well, the best in the business, uh, inside, outside, they just pick you apart that way. Yes, they're loosey-goosey defensively, but I think they will get the win against a downtrodden Villanova club. Uh, and then you look at Creighton, a uh, massive game against Marquette at home tonight. Uh, one of the best and most underrated teams in the country and a true Final Four dark horse. I think Ryan Colquhoun will be too much. In Texas, they will cruise. I think they win by eight or more Ooh. against the Cyclones in Austin. Brad, you're the best. Appreciate it, brother. Gracias, amigo. There he is. Brad Evans. Follow him on Twitter at Noisy Huevos. Russell Westbrook is a clipper. Is it going to work? We find out next right here on Follow the Money. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, 
what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. Is getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Follow the Money on VSEN. If you're looking for a betting edge on the NHL, NBA, or college basketball, the VSEN experts have got you covered. Become a VSEN Pro subscriber with an introductory offer of only $9.99. VSEN Pro subscribers get access to our daily recap of the top plays made by VSEN show hosts and guests, tools like our betting splits, deep dive betting reports, VSEN betting guides for the biggest games of the season, where our experts break down brackets, best bets, and daily props. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Visit vcin.com slash subscribe today to sign up for only $9.99. That's vsin.com slash subscribe. Tim Murray rolling on here on a Tuesday morning. Thanks again to Brad Evans for joining us. Always love Brad. If you uh, hadn't had your coffee yet, Brad will will serve as your coffee, and uh, we appreciate him jumping on with us. couple plays uh, that he threw out there as well. We'll recap those here in just a little bit. But, look, it's not just college hoops, even though they're the only show on the floor tonight because the NBA just coming off the All-Star break and not in action until later this week. But certainly uh, a big storyline is Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook traded 
uh, from the Lakers uh, as they brought in Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell, uh, Vanderbilt from uh, the Utah Jazz, and Russell Westbrook part of that, and he has been bought out, and he's not leaving town. He's staying with the Los Angeles Clippers, and to give us the latest on that, we bring in Lawrence Murray, Clippers beat reporter for The Athletic. You can follow Lawrence on Twitter, at Law Murray, the and you and Lawrence simple enough is this going to work for Russell Westbrook with the Clippers I'm gonna I, I don't know if it's gonna work man um, there's so much that has to happen for Russ to be successful in the offensive end and I think a lot of it comes down to the support that he has from the players that he's sharing the floor with from the scheme the coach that he's going to be playing for but I do think that Russell Westbrook is in a much better position to have success with this Clippers team than he did this year in Los Angeles, certainly the year before in Los Angeles. So if, if it's going to work for us, it's got to be, it's, it's got to be with this team. Um, he's in year 15. I think that Russ saw in during his Lakers tenure that the good times are not going to last forever, you know? So, this is a good situation for him ultimately, but I also think that the Clippers need to make sure that Russell Westbrook doesn't have an outsized role on, on this team that he's on. Well, and that seems to always be the biggest thing as we're talking to Lawrence Murray, who covers the Clippers for The Athletic, is, look, Russell Westbrook, there's no denying. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's an MVP. The stats are are what they are, and they've been phenomenal for his entire career. But... You know, as we've seen, he has a style of play that isn't always conducive to contending teams, especially if he's not the main guy. So when you look to Kawhi and Paul George being, you know, the the one-two punch here, Ty Lue, I guess we'll, we'll throw it to the coach. You know, Ty Lue and Russell Westbrook, how big is that dynamic moving forward, you know, on you know moving on from here on out and into the postseason for him to buy in to what the the Clippers ultimately want from Russell Westbrook? I think if Teron Lude was not trying to coach Russell Westbrook, then we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. That's going to be, for me, the biggest difference between Russell Westbrook's situations with the Los Angeles Lakers and what he's got now. Like He has the buy-in from both his stars and his head coach at the same time. I think last year, Darvin Ham came in with an open mind, was ready to work with Russ, uh, and they developed a connection. But by then, LeBron was off of Russ. And really, LeBron's been off of Russ for at least a year. Like the trade deadline last year, the Lakers tried to move on from Russell Westbrook, but his contract was so cumbersome and there weren't any suckers in the league, so you couldn't get off of him. <laughs> and then Frank Vogel, I don't think Frank Vogel ever wanted to coach Russ I don't think Frank Vogel is set up for success to coach Russ because you bring in three max contract guys, guys who don't really fit together. I think LeBron and AD don't have a lot of weaknesses offensively, but shooting is not a strength collectively for those two. And then you build a roster that is smaller and doesn't have the requisite shooting. It's a disaster for Russell Westbrook, a player that is a volume shooter, not a particularly efficient one, not a particularly accurate one and a turnover machine player. So like the Lakers never from a coaching and star standpoint were set up for success for Russell Westbrook or in general, the Clippers don't need Russell Westbrook. So if Russ is not fitting in or Russ is having 
one of those stretches where he's inefficient. The Clippers have the luxury of not having to play him and still being able to score, especially lately, still being able to win games. That wasn't a legitimate situation with the Los Angeles Lakers. And, you know, most of us saw that coming. To compare the Lakers situation to the Clippers situation and saying it's going to be a disaster in the same way is just being ignorant to the factors around Russ right now. We're chatting once again with Lawrence Murray, who covers the Clippers for the Athletic at Law Murray, the NU on Twitter. Um, Kawhi Leonard down the stretch as we, as we pivot just you know to where the Clippers are right now, sitting in the four seed in the Western Conference, thirty three and twenty eight. He's played thirty four uh, games so far this year. Can the Clippers rely on Kawhi Leonard as the season moves forward, Lawrence? Because we know why this team was put together by Steve Ballmer, why they went out and acquired Paul George. It's to win a championship. Can this Clippers team rely on Kawhi Leonard to be on the floor consistently come the postseason? Yeah, you should. And and, and the reason is, I, I hate that every time Lowe's manager comes up, somebody circles back to the Clippers as if, one, they're the only team doing this, or two, because they think that Kawhi Leonard never plays. Kawhi Leonard has not missed back-to-back games since December 3rd. We're talking more than two months now. He has not missed consecutive games since December 3rd. In that time, he's looked like an all-NBA player. I know he, Kawhi wasn't an all-star. Paul did get to be an all-star, but... Kawhi had a slow start to the season due to knee irritation. The dude definitely is coming off a torn ACL and is not coming back to be a role player. He's coming back to be a star. That's a different workload, especially for a guy on the other side of 30. And then he sprained his ankle into the return from the knee irritation. So since then, since he's come back, he has not missed consecutive games. He has not missed a game due to injury. He's missed all the back-to-backs. He's missed one other game because the Clippers – went a month without back-to-back days off, and then he got sick coming back from the East Coast road trip. That's the only games that he's missed since returning in Charlotte on, I believe, December 5th. Like, that dude has been cooking, and the team has played better as he's played more games. Paul had a stretch where he missed 14 out of 28 games. That was obviously a problem because Paul's got soft tissue issues. But the team has done well to protect him, to not to make sure that, him missing a week or two is not him missing a month or two. And Paul has played well. He can play better. He can play better later in game. Same with Kawhi. And I think that's where the Russell Westbrook acquisition is going to make its most impact. Russ might not be the most efficient player, but Russell Westbrook can take some possessions away from guys and not completely tank the team and then have some energy conserved for PG and Kawhi to close games out in fourth quarters where they're playing better because they haven't been spending all four quarters running the offense, scoring for themselves, creating opportunities for others, being the best defenders and best rebounders on the team. That's how this is going to have to work. Lawrence, before we let you run, we're talking to Lawrence Murray, who covers the Clippers for the Athletic. Right now, the Clippers are around 5-1. to one. You can find a little... Uh, little little better price uh, depending on where you shop uh, when it comes to the betting market to win the Western Conference. Do you believe the way the Clippers are built right now, can the Clippers win the Western Conference? I think they can. It's going to be hard. I think it's going to be a long shot, to be honest with you. And it's not as much because of the Clippers. It's because I just feel like there are other teams that are that, that can be better. 
the only team that's played serious basketball for the entire season out west has been the Denver Nuggets. And the Denver Nuggets, they are the team to beat. They're, so are there other teams that can probably beat them? Sure. I think the Clippers have a lot to prove when it comes to a team that can possibly get out of the West. They've done a good job against the sorriest teams in the NBA. They will go to Denver on Sunday. Beating the Denver Nuggets on Sunday would be huge because it's something they failed to do all season. The Nuggets are 3-0 and against the Clippers. So it would be it would be a big deal if the Clippers can win Sunday. It's a regular season game coming so soon out of the All-Star break. They actually come back against the Kings, a team, another team that they are looking up to. Climbing the standings would be ideal for the Clippers. That way you can avoid potential traps with seeing the Nuggets early or seeing the Sacramento Kings. Well, you probably want to see the Kings because we don't know how the Kings will respond to a playoff setting. No disrespect to the Kings, that's just reality. Yeah. Like, what do the Kings look like in the playoffs? They will be finding out for themselves. But teams like the Mavericks, the Suns, they loaded up. The Clippers have some important games coming up right away, and we're going to see how this works in, in short order. Lawrence, great stuff. We appreciate the insight. Thank you, Tim, for having me, man. There he is, Lawrence Murray, covering the Clippers for the Athletic. Russell Westbrook, stay and put in La La Land. We wrap things up with more college hoops on Follow the Money. This is Follow the Money on VSEN. Tim Murray here on Follow the Money, sitting in for Mitch and Pauly. It has been a fun Tuesday morning getting you ready for uh, what should be a really exciting uh, Tuesday night of college basketball. Thanks again uh, just a moment ago. Lawrence Murray giving us the latest on the Clippers. and Seemed like he felt like the Russell Westbrook acquisition had a better chance of working with this L.A. franchise than the Lakers, but still didn't seem to be of the belief that it makes the team all that better. But his overall point, it seemed, was if it's not working, they don't need Russell Westbrook. So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, by the way, here at Circa, plus 575 are the Clippers to win the Western Conference. All right, wrapping things up uh, with a, another good friend of mine. It, it's that time, right, where we all want to know where our team is going to be, where the team that we have a futures bet on is going to be on the bracket and in my opinion, there is no better bracketologist out there than Patrick Stevens, who joins us right now. You can follow him on Twitter, at Discourse. Replace the I with the number one, so at D1S Course. Uh, he's a contributor for the Washington Post, and that's where you can see his latest bracket, which should be being posted here uh, just in a little bit for, for the Washington Post. Patrick, so many different ways to start, but I want to start with a team that's not even playing hoops tonight. And yes, I've taken a couple jabs at them, but rightfully so. They are 0-9 in quad one mm. games, and they don't have another opportunity until Saturday uh, when they host Virginia, and that would be last year's uh, runner-up in the North Carolina Tar Heels. North Carolina, where do they stand right now in your eyes, and what do they need to do to secure that they're in the field of 68? Well, they, 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 first of all, need to win some games. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that would help. Five of their last six. I mean, that, that, let's, let's start with the basics here. Uh, I, don't, I don't think they'd be in the field right now. I mean, you look at what they've done, and if we're sitting here saying, what are, what are their best accomplishments? Well, you would have to say that it's probably some combination of beating Clemson at home, beating NC State at home, beating Michigan and Charlotte, 
winning that neutral site game against an Ohio State team that is just, you know, the wheels have come off the wagon, and, and the home victory over Charleston at the start of the year, which I don't think anybody thought was going to be uh, one of the true highlights of the Tar Heels' resume. But, you know, sure enough, there it is right there. Uh, you know, you, you look at them, and there just isn't a whole lot of meat on those bones. Now, the good thing for them, you mentioned the Virginia game. They get Duke at home. The other thing that stands out to me is that if we were talking about Carolina around this time last year, they really weren't in that much of a different spot. Mm-hmm. Um, they hadn't really accomplished a whole lot. Now, they'd also only lost eight games as opposed to 11 to this point. And so, you know, I think one of the things we take away from Carolina is, gosh, you know, people – People sure like to make a lot out of that five or six game sample size every March. And even though they had a bunch of guys back, uh, you know, they didn't have everybody back. They didn't have Brady Manic, and they didn't frankly have somebody that would fill that Brady Manic role as much as they really hoped that Pete Nance could. He was a really solid player at Northwestern, uh, hasn't shot as well at Carolina, but the real issue is is that they you know, they haven't had their backcourt on the same page, it feels like, for a good chunk of the season. And, and frankly, you know, they don't have a whole lot of depth. And they were okay with that last year. It just hasn't worked out this season. And you're sitting there wondering, you know, what, when are they going to beat somebody decent here uh, somewhere away from Chapel Hill? And the answer is, given that their remaining road games are Notre Dame and Florida State, their only chance to beat somebody decent away from home the rest of the way is going to be in the ACC tournament in Greensboro next month. Yeah, right now, Patrick says, not in the field. Uh, still some opportunities out there, uh, but we will see for uh, the preseason number one team in the AP poll. Uh, Patrick, the preseason number one team, according to Ken Palm, was Kentucky. This has been a disappointing year. However, they now have a sweep of Tennessee, uh, a road win last week against Mississippi State. So where do you have Big Blue Nation at this point in time uh, on the bracket? Could they be headed to Dayton? Uh, I don't. I actually have them bypassing Dayton at this point. I have them as a 10 seed at the moment in the East bracket with UCLA being the two seed there. So uh, Kentucky-UCLA second-round huh. game, anyone, perhaps? Yeah, that'd be all right. You know, <laughs> no, they, I, I have them paired with Iowa right now in a 7-10 game. But Kentucky, with that, with that week last week, I mean, that, that's as good a week as they've, as they've had all season. Uh, you know, they, they just don't seem to be able to get a whole lot of traction one way or the other. And, and you just see these games that have just been sort of, you know, once-a-month type things where, where they just look like they've never played basketball before, whether it was the South Carolina game, the Georgia game uh, the other week, you know, so what can they do the rest of the way? You know, there's certainly opportunities there. They get home games against, uh, against Auburn and Vanderbilt trips to Florida and Arkansas. And it just feels like if they can simply just get a little bit of traction, you know, could they go, let's say four and two the rest of the way and lose their second game in the SEC tournament. That's probably going to be more than enough to get them in thanks to that sweep of Tennessee. Talking to Patrick Stevens, uh, bracketologist. You can follow him on Twitter, at Discourse. Replace the, the letter I with the number one. Uh, great stuff. Uh, 2022 uh, Bracket Matrix champion. Uh, so make sure uh, to follow Patrick on Twitter. Uh, a team that's playing tonight, uh, not too far from where you are there on the East Coast, uh, that would be Miami, visiting Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Miami, I, I heard some folks uh, that were uh, the the one that 
kind of ruffled their feathers, I guess, uh, from the bracket reveal uh, over the weekend when they show the top four seeds uh, in each region was Miami being left off. So uh, they got a big one tonight uh, on the road of Virginia Tech. This, I imagine, would do some really positive things for them. But the Hurricanes, what type of seed are they looking at? Because I know a lot of people are eyeing this Miami team, Patrick. It's a team that, that could make a run here in March. Yeah, and I have them on the five line right now. Uh, playing in Orlando uh, in a sub-regional that would also have Xavier in, it, in the East bracket. You know, I think that when you look at Miami, go back to last year and you're sitting there trying to come up with teams. Everybody remembers like Providence and Wisconsin as teams that, that were favored more by the net than, uh, you know, the, the, than maybe their, their record suggested. Basically, you're sitting there saying that this is a lucky team or whatever, right? Uh, Miami was a team that kept piling up road victories last year and couldn't get any traction in the metrics and then turned out to be an Elite Eight team. Uh, I, I think right now with the way that they're playing, they've taken six in a row. They won at Carolina. They won at Clemson. They hammered Duke in that stretch. They beat Virginia Tech early on in it. You know, they have done a lot of good work over the course of this season. You throw out the loss at Georgia Tech at the beginning of January, and there's really not a whole lot to really question about the Hurricanes. You know, And as you well know, uh, Jim Laranega does a fantastic mm-hmm. job, and they have a core group. Uh, with Isaiah Wong and Nigel Pack and, and all those guys, O'Meara in the post, you know he he has he has the right sort of thing going there. And, and I agree with you. I, I like Miami a great deal. And right now, like I said, have them on the five line. I think it would be really really hard to see them below that at this point with that twenty two and five team. And would not be surprised in the slightest to see them end up on the four line and end up in that Miami or that Orlando sub regional one way or the other. Chat once again with bracketologist Patrick Stevens. Patrick, right now, who are your four one seeds and who is lurking to try to snag one of those one seeds, in your opinion? Well, well, the committee did the reveal the other day, and I'm certainly not going to argue with people <laughs> who are actually making the decision. So Alabama, Houston, Purdue, and Kansas, I think, would be your one seeds right now. Uh, and then kind of lurking right behind, you know, Texas has a lot of high-end victories. Uh, UCLA is one of the best teams I've seen in person all season. Uh, and then Arizona is a team that even though maybe their overall metrics suggest more like a two seed, uh, their overall profile is really, really good. They've got, they're seven and two in quad one games. They're 24 and four. Uh, they have just handled things just basically from start to finish this season. Uh, so that's a team that I really like, but, but that's the group right there. That, that has a chance to get to the one line. I would, I would say I think the other team that has a chance to get to the – a real chance to get to the one line is Virginia if they win out. Uh, but I, I don't know if we'll see anybody else there. I mean, it's obviously – there's a scenario where, let's say, Kansas State or Iowa State or Tennessee get hot. Uh, but with, given the way teams are playing, I, I think it's probably those top eight or nine teams right now that have a decent shot at getting up to the one line before all, all is said and done. Patrick, real quickly before we let you run, we got about a minute. TCU loses last night, but they were full strength, right? Mike Miles came back. Mm-hmm. This team is completely different with Mike Miles on the floor when not. Does the committee take that into account, those losses that they stockpiled when Mike Miles was out? I think it probably is a little bit of a variable, but the thing is with TCU, when you look at their metrics in general, like, I mean, they're going to be a tournament team sure, and they really only have one loss that, that you look at and say, how did that happen? And that was back in November against Northwestern state. So, you know, I think TCU probably is a team that it's seating wise ends up in that five, six, seven range, maybe an eight. If they, if they kind of uh, fall apart here later on in the year, uh, but, but, 
I, I don't think that's going to be a major variable for them one way or the other. I mean, I think overall you look at them and they have those Kansas and Baylor wins on the road, and, and that's going to be enough to kind of stabilize their seed right there. One of the best in the biz when it comes to breaking down the brackets, Patrick Stevens. Patrick, we appreciate the insight. Thanks so much for having me, Tim. You have a good one. You too. There he is, Patrick Stevens, bracketologist du jour. All right, that's going to do it for me here on Follow the Money. Thanks to everyone who joined the program. We'll be back tomorrow, 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern, right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. It's brand new, season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people. In an unscripted, unvarnished way, is getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine, And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.